Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I am your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Harvey75, and you can find the entire MMM show on the Twit Machine and all social media at MMM Show75. Um, and we've got our main homie Jimmy V over here hanging out with us. And we've got the champ. That's right, the Lucha Underground champion. Marty the Moth Martinez, what the hell's going on, champ? Just living in a life of goodness, my friend. How the hell's that gold feel around your waist? It's the only thing I'm wearing right now, and that's why you're not getting much video. That's fine. I think it's better this, this way. I, but I oh. want you to picture it. I just want all your fans just to picture me wearing nothing but the Lucha Underground title. That's oh. it. I'm I'm sure there's a couple of ladies watching this that are are probably more than happy to to picture that. And in fact, it's probably not very hard to picture after that one shot of you and your trunks that's been going around. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention also the episode where, uh, well, the same episode you won the Gift of the Gods title because the Gift of the Gods title is so big, it doesn't look like you're wearing anything underneath. So my mom legit asked if I was showing everybody my huevos on TV. <laughs> Because my gear is also the same color as what could be misshrewed. Now, didn't, didn't you have some family there that weekend? I actually made sure to fly my mom and dad that weekend and my girlfriend. Well, which was funny because we, we had had you on the show this week. And you didn't mention, by the way, that anything of note was going down that weekend. Son of a Oopsies. bitch. Oopsies. No one was like, I'm good at spoilers or something. <laughs> what? I had no clue. Um but yeah, so and your family shows up, and then the first day of the taping that weekend, you wrestled a dark match, and I was just like, "Oh my god, what are they doing to this poor guy?" His whole family comes in for the fucking show, and he's just in some dark match. This is this is tragic. <laughs> DJ is like the worst person on the planet. But then, of course, uh, things definitely materialized the following day. I believe it was that Saturday, um, and I have to say, I was not expecting it. At all. I wasn't expecting it then. And then watching it on TV, I felt like I was surprised all over again um, that our champ, my champ, actually got the strap, got the belt. Yeah, hold on, hold on. I got, hold on. Baby, baby, you stay in that room. <laughs> Marty's on a mission. Where are, my, where are my YouTube and Twitch studio? It's the What? what? How the hell? It is there. Stole that son of a bitch, didn't you? Look at that. Oh. I bet Penta doesn't have one of those in Not his. Bad, right? Where to go? Let's see. You see it? Ain't it party, people? Ain't it party? Ain't it party? It's good to be the champ. <laughs> it's damn good to be the champ. I promised everybody I would tell them the I forgot last week or whenever I was talking about it to tell them the story about. Uh, so a after the match, Marty comes out and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Congrats, whatever. And he comes right over and he's like, yeah, isn't this awesome? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm not looking down. It's kind of dark because we're outside. The damn bathrooms are outside at Lucha Underground or they were this past year. Um, and I think he's going to shake my hand. And then I look down and what's in my hand? Marty's fucking wet ass chonies and trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Nastiest feeling of my entire life, Martin. Oh, fucking gross, man. 
I forgot about that. Oh, I love doing that to people. I won't even lie. I've done that to Paul Lyon so many times. Oh, I know. Paul was standing right next to me. It was probably intended for him, but I'm the <laughs> stuck my hand out. Oh yeah, that was definitely for Paul. I remember. I remember your face when you got it, though. That was oh great. yeah, because I looked down and I was like, oh oh oh. Oh, well, if it was for Paul, that probably would have ended up because of the way Paul shakes his hand. That would have ended up right in his forearm. <laughs> oh. That would yeah, that would end up right in that little arm cockpit thing. Yeah, the Roman handshake would get a uh, get a little more Roman. <laughs> um. So right. I'm not actually in the belt and I'm actually wearing clothes. So yeah, <laughs> well, but, but you show, got to show off the belts, which is worth it. Um, I like it. I got to ask you about this week's episode. Cause I know we've, we've talked about uh, you and your sister before and, and how much you guys had put thought into all the uh, creepy and weird things that you guys have done on the show. But this was kind of the the big payoff, the big blow off with you guys where you actually got to fucking wrestle and holy fucking chair city. That spot is one of my favorite things in ever. (laughs) (laughs) It looked completely not like the favorite spot ever when on my side of the the view. Both Uh, of you are insane though. I mean, uh, for people out there who have not seen either, uh, cheerleader, Melissa or Mariposa, um, whatever name she's going by these weeks or, or Marty in person wrestling, um, both of them are insane. And you guys like to work very crisp, uh, shall I say, and the bumps that you guys were taking, the bumps that either of you always take are typically ridiculous. And I'm always in fear for your lives, but, this particular match, you guys just fucking went at it. Yeah, uh, it. We were. I was excited because the he uh, DJ actually told me like, just think about it. Martha Moth just became champ, and this uh, sister who's supposedly better than him this whole time. Now it may be questioned if is he better than him or is she better than him. So let's see which one's better. And then so like in my thought process, I'm gonna have to kill this girl. So. Kill, I did. Um, if you didn't see the pictures on her social media yesterday uh, that she put it put out there, she we beat the living crap out of each other, and uh, well, she got the brunt out of it, I believe. But it was fun. <laughs> yeah, there were some bruises to be had there, but I, and like I said, I've seen you guys both do that. Like uh, you know, Marty's the guy who's in a battle royal and the camera's not on him, and he's still bumping like the the craziest shit out there i mean that's just i know that's who you are and i know she's kind of the same way but it was a pretty sick match i loved it and uh i'm i was also impressed at at how reserved uh reclusa was that she didn't uh jump in too much on your behalf i think she's a bit sadistic i think she kind of likes seeing all the beatdowns happening there she is why do you think i like her around me (laughs) That was a big surprise for a lot of people. I have to apologize to Chelsea too, because when she debuted, I was sitting in the bleachers and she backed out from underneath the cage. So all I saw was like this black outfit or whatever. And um, I thought, honest to God, that it was, it was Lotus. And okay. But that's, that's clearly an insult to Chelsea. Um, The backside of her and Lotus, not really even in the same ballpark. And I feel like I've insulted her now by even thinking <laughs> that it was Lotus. Well, we were talking the Black Lotus tribe, the four of them, right? Well, just, yeah. 
but it was she, there's she was four of them incredible. and i believe a bunch of them and they're all doing freaking fantastic in their careers so i all five of them are pretty much badasses that's true that's true <laughs> but chelsea i'm glad i got her on my team uh out of the five there how, chelsea, my favorite psycho of those all how did that come to be no one's no one's talked about that yet. I mean, everyone knows that Chelsea was showing up and that she, you know, she was going to get something tasty, and uh, apparently that tastiness was getting to partially kill or maim uh, sexy star, which <laughs> which got a, a great pop in the middle of your awesome heel segment. <laughs> okay, so I believe they they're like oh, they would not shut up. The fans just would not stop chanting Sierra Miedo. And I, I, they, I think they might have added me just putting the microphone down for a while to see if they'd shut up, and they just got louder when I did it. And to save TV time for the pummel that was to ensue later, like they, they cut that out. But they would not shut up until they pull out the sexy star mask, and then that shut everybody up. Well, yeah, because that was when everyone was like, "Shit, is he face? Is he heel? We don't know anymore." <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's true. That was true. There was, yeah, it was, there was somewhat of a mixed reaction though, but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I definitely, I I had a few Sierra, Sierra Miedo chants, but most of mine were, that's my champ. I think me and Paul Cross and a couple other people and, and obviously Mallory and, and <laughs> that whole crew were screaming, that's my champ, but we were getting pretty much drowned out by Sierra Miedo, Sierra Miedos the whole time. What are you going to do? And it was just super loud that I'm like, well, I might as well just say this promo now because they're not going to let me talk anyway. But that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, that was pretty much all the heel heat in the world for, for a room full of 500 crazy believers. Could you have expected to get that kind of awesome heel heat? I loved every second of it. <laughs> that they were living it on TV made it even better because I'm like, yeah, I couldn't hear anything. That I was right. So, yeah, it was a great moment. I think so. Well, Look, congratulations from all of us. Um, this, you know, last time you were on the show, you were, it's funny because the, the writing was on the wall and I guess you were kind of giving us some of the signals because you talked about the fact that, um, you know, the, the comedy bits and the comedy gags can only get you so far in wrestling. And then at some point, you know, you have to take a, a, a darker turn or, or more of a serious face turn if you want to be taken seriously and if you want to wear the belt. So was that kind of your your goal the whole time? I mean, did you kind of manifest this destiny for, for the Marty, the moth character? 100%. I think, um, I knew from the beginning and that's why I talked to vampire. Like we said before, I was originally brought in from comic relief. And if you see the character, that's exactly what it was. Um, and then I was able to talk to vampire say, Hey, I know comedic relief people can't be the champ. Um, so that's where the whole twist started at the first part of season one. If you notice after the kidnapping of sexy star, like literally it just got worse and worse from there to be shoving things down my pants, just stabbing people with forks. And it, it gets actually more violent as you have seen live. Um, at, uh, yeah. The, the, I don't think it's important to, 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 to tell anyone that, you know, we, it was just announced on Lucha Underground this week that there's a Cerro Miedo match coming. Um, and if anyone saw the first one, you understand that that is a very, very violent match. I won't tell you the results of that, but uh, I, I, I believe that there is some violence in your future, some extreme violence. 
Yeah, well, I, I was actually uh, testing out my new... Uh, so I'm, I'm twitching now. So I was watching Lucha Underground. I was watching the Weapons of Mass Destruction match on my Twitch. And I was watching it today. I was just like, wow, this is pansy compared to what's coming up. Wow. Well, you heard it, guys. You got to keep watching. There's, what, four more episodes and then Ultima Lucha, I think? Three or four That's more? Right. I believe the season finale is November 7th. Oh, it's going to be epic. You guys have to to see what this man does. As you know, he he is not uh, he's not very easy on himself. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely taking take up it, a notch. Like, yeah, you got to take it up a notch. And then with all these fans out there loving Pentagon so much, it makes me even happier. I get to break their hero. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it. And and this week's match, we just we had to get you on because this was one of my favorite moments of the season. Just uh, seeing the chairs piled up on top of you and you know, <laughs> Melissa just. Thanks, man. It was one of my favorite moments seeing you buried under I a mean, pile of chairs and knocked the hell out. And and at the point where like she had so many chairs out that she couldn't find any more chairs, so she started picking up the ones that weren't really planted on you and just laying them in there some more. There were so <laughs> many chairs. I I was sure it was like okay that's the last one and they just kept coming and coming and coming well see i think you were sitting on the other side of the ring too because she started picking up the ones that had fallen off the edge and just like started throwing them back on him (laughs) again and again and i i thought i heard the slightest faintest little whimper underneath all the chairs where marty was like okay i think i think we've gotten the spot accomplished can i get out of here now (laughs) <laughs> uh, there there wasn't much registering under those chairs trust me uh, after like the ninth chair i thought so what happened was I, I thought that she was done and just like you guys she found somehow more chairs out of nowhere and then uh and then and then yeah then more pain came so i went night night essentially well she paid for it in the end she's got a couple of broken wings now so i don't think the mariposa will be flying anytime soon and did you notice that and i don't know if anyone's ever talked about it since but they edited it out i remember live pentagon actually broke her other arm oh yeah 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 they they edited that out they didn't show that on tv yeah because they're trying to make him a baby face (laughs) it's a baby face now (laughs) Uh, <laughs> broken all these arms actually made him a baby I know, that's the fu- that's the best part about it. it's like you do it and you're, you get all the heel heat in the world he does it and he's like a baby face he's some kind of technico now because he breaks people's arms <laughs> jeez right people it's are messed bull- up bullshit it's total bullshit. Been like an online exclusive or something like on el ray's youtube or something just showing pentagon doing that <laughs> I was 100% expecting it after I realized they edited it out. I'm like, that's totally going to be in there. I'd still be surprised if they don't. But if not, hey, well, you guys are the first to to say it. (laughs) Both wings clipped. Both wings were clipped. Wings were definitely clipped. Pentagon is that sort of Jack. I can't. Can I swear on this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That asshole who breaks arms when the match is already over. It was fun, that, though. It was. He broke my arm after the match was over uh, the first episode of the season. That's why we got here. Payback's which, a bitch. Which was so tragic because we didn't see you very much early in the season. Um, but, I mean, I guess uh, for this kind of payoff, it's it's totally fine at this point. So, <laughs> Does anyone remember those 10 episodes that didn't have Marty? Fuck no. They remember Marty <laughs> the champ. It definitely. So Sports Illustrated picked up the story. And uh, it, so I was like, sweet, we're making some ways for Lucha Underground. 
And then they post the picture. They ask, I guess they asked Lucha Underground for the picture. And the, with the lighting, there's a lot of comments on just each of yeah, you're seeing, I'm seeing the smile on your face right now. You know exactly what I'm talking. Both of your guys is new. Exactly. My eyes are up there towards the title, but there are some features that were lighted. Um, Very il illuminated. Yeah. Yes. And squished. Yeah. <laughs> How does that make you feel? I mean, it's like you finally get to the mountaintop and everyone is worried Scaring about at my junk. You're yeah. welcome. world. <laughs> You this intended it to be that way, though, honestly, didn't you? I mean, didn't you always imagine it would be that way when you got to the top, that every, you'd be on the top of the mountain and everyone would just have to look up to your junk? Isn't that how everyone pictures being on top of the world? <laughs> every man, at least? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was freaking fun. And I, I saw so many comments. I'm like, I won't. Well, yeah. But it's great, though, because that's why I love this character, because in the ring, if I screw up, I could just say it's the character that I was supposed to trip. I, yeah, I totally meant to do that. And people are like, oh, he's crazy. Yeah, you can do that. And the part of the character is being disgusting. So winning, I wear the smallest gear of, on purpose, by the way, on the Lucha Underground roster. And uh, I, these are the repercussions. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you deserve it all. All the good and the bad. You pretty much you deserve it all. <laughs> wow thank you very much you, you completely earned it um i don't want to keep you too long i know you have some plans thank you so much for stopping by uh anything you want to throw out there anything the world should know about the rest of this season of lucha underground or anything else you got going on marty that i know we are used to 40 episode seasons but that is not how a normal tv show works we are four or five seasons away from ultima lucha quattro so get your lucha in now enjoy it and love it because it's going to be gone soon and then i'm going to hear all the bitching so get in there love it because well we love y'all um and actually i'm going to be playing me versus pentagon dark on my twitch that you should all be joining up and watching and hanging out with me as i tell you more stuff about how much pentagon sucks and for the next five weeks you should all join me on twitch at twitch.tv slash martyr the moth casaus i'm literally martin casaus on everything so if you need to find anything of my stuff i literally link all my stuff on my everything so i'm easy to find send me a message that's how we all become friends and that's how we got on this interview even because we all started from just like answering a message right yeah pretty much you know and, and then chatting a little bit at lucha underground but i mean that's that's the social media is the way of the future so everybody find find marty find martin on uh the merch. Your, your youtube stuff's great too i've been watching a bunch of your youtube channel stuff Thanks, man. I, I figured I might as well just like everyone's ask about, hey, what's it look like be, like to be a wrestler? Like, well, this is the stupid shit we do. Here, let's carry on camera. So that works out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, people seem to be interested in it. Like, uh, I caught up with uh, Thunder Rosa while I was out on the road in Texas last week, and she had me on her YouTube channel, and it's the same kind of thing. She's just kind of wandering around being a wrestler, and people get to see what the hell she's all about in regular life as a wrestler. Well if there's any such thing as regular life as a wrestler. <laughs> and I'm going to try and do some few things. Like my next thing I'm going to probably do, I'm going to do it on Twitch and YouTube is I'm going to actually start watching Lucha Underground myself and like have my reactions to it. And you know, we go and do stuff like, uh, like you, you get older and you do stuff. You're like, Oh, I'm really glad my parents didn't see that. If right. you ever done that, well, I can't really do that. Cause all that stuff I do is on TV. <laughs> so, 
I'm actually going to be watching my most dangerous and bloody matches, like the Weapons of Mass Destruction match, my match with Phoenix where my hair got cut, with my mother, and she's very animated. Wow. So, <laughs> she, so you're going to see a lot of squirms and a lot of stuff like that. So I'm hoping Lucha Underground fans are nice to her and like... Are you sure this is a good idea? <laughs> absolutely not, but it might be entertaining. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, also, hopefully also Lucha, yeah, hopefully Lucha fans are freaking nice to my mom because uh, she did not raise me to see what you did, on, what, you, what you saw on TV. Mama Moth. Mama Moth. Mama Moth, there it is. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Hopefully. Hopefully right Mama Moth will uh, take it easy on you. So um, just so you know, your fans did show up. They are watching. Uh, Mallory and Rebecca, of course, are watching and say that's my champ as usual. I um, love those two, the Moffettes. Yeah. Zero Cool and a couple of – and Rebecca's, of course, oh, wait, there can too. Can I share this? Can I share this somehow? Um, I think you're tagged in the link that I posted earlier. But I'll I'll post it. I'll give it to you again, and it'll be well, archived. Tell me that too. before. I would have just freaking like put it so like we have a bunch of people jumping on. Well, yeah, you can repost it, and they can come and watch it anytime. That's the best thing about modern technology. It's like it's live, but they don't have to watch it live. They can watch it later too. <laughs> but yeah, our, our regular watchers of the show are are in the chat room live, kind of hanging out on YouTube right now. What's up, folks? Hoping y'all enjoying the show. And uh, I will tag you in a in a post of this loveliness shortly. But anyway, yeah, thank you so much for, for hanging out, brother. Go enjoy the rest of your evening. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the champ, Marty the Moth Martinez, all kind of Aztec pride, all kind of junk in Sports Illustrated. <laughs> oh, yes, I never even thought about that. My junk was the highlight of Sports Illustrated. Oh, my God. That is good to say. That is hilarious. Yes, it means you are truly, truly a champion of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> You're winning, and winners keep on winning. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am winning the champ. Hell yeah, that's cool. Well, <laughs> Thanks, we're, super, we're super proud of you, and, and we knew this moment was coming, and we're glad that you stopped by because we wanted to celebrate with you a little bit, and uh, we can't wait to see where it goes from here, even though some of us know um, and I think that everyone will be very, very pleased to continue watching your journey on Lucha Underground. And again, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, right. everybody, for listening. All right. Thanks, cheers, Mark. brother. Go enjoy your evening. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment. Never. Not not even for, you know, 15 minutes of pure gold from from Marty the Champ Martinez. Can we just call him the champ now? Oh, he's definitely a champ. He's our champ. He is our champ. He is our champ. Whether we like it or not, this is what we asked for. We got it. Thank we you. We could say it because Casey's not on the show tonight or yes. Byron. So without Pentagon being referenced, we're good. I, I think did, Casey wanted us to tell everyone why he's, why he's not here today, right? Uh, I believe he is a human root beer fountain. That's, uh, that was the quote, human yeah. root beer fountain. I mean, <laughs> he was asking to... if he could swear on this podcast. I think <laughs> human root beer fountain is worse than any curse words you could ever come up we with. We won't go into detail, but I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out for yourselves. Oh. So, yeah. Just the worst. Oh, God. But, yeah, Marty Marty has has a great couple episodes coming up. Uh it For everything that I feel like everyone's seen this season so far of him, which is very – 
minuscule. Yeah. It's just going to get more and more ridiculous and crazy, and it's going to be great for the fans, I think. I think so, too. I mean, I uh, I, I have to tell you, I mean, the, the chair thing really was one of my highlights of, of his entire career. <laughs> I mean, but, you know... I, it's the it's it's the ECW thing. It was like one of those moments, like the moment where the the chairs came raining into the ring in ECW. It was almost like that, and it's just like except they were all on, on Marty. Part of me was wondering, it, like, did DJ just loop some of this just to make it more hilarious or or violent? I don't know, but it definitely wasn't because I I I think uh, who counted it uh, zero in the chat says I counted it was seven chairs and twenty one hits. Right, because she so. she just kept picking them up and up, and there yeah. was, and I remember earlier in the evening when they were setting something up that we saw a, the giant stack of chairs in there. And we're like, oh man, somebody's gonna do something stupid tonight, aren't they? And we had no idea what was coming, but you know, especially for it to be in that match, um, I yes, thoroughly thoroughly entertaining, and you know the the outcome at the end is that uh, uh, Mariposa has some broken wangs and. Uh, Marty, Marty already had his match with Pentagon coming up. I mean, that was already done deal, right? Why, why was he crazy enough to go and make it a Sierra, a Sierra Miedo match? That was just, that's just stupid. I mean, uh, there's a fine line between crazy and stupid. So I think he's kind of crossing it, or at least the character is. So yeah, somebody's gonna die. I mean, yeah. like. This um, we almost we almost lost Ar Fox and Killshot last year. I mean, they almost killed each other. Um, you know how these guys get with Ultima Lucha. It is, it is the premier event in Lucha Libre every year. I'm not afraid to say it. I think I think it's the top Lucha Libre event of the year. And we know that they don't pull back any punches. They. Like I said earlier, they turn it up a notch. They turn it up a lot of notches for Ultima Lucha. Yeah. And we know that it's two weeks uh, as it was previously. I actually didn't think last year was it three weeks. I feel like it, yeah, one of the years it was. Um, God, it's so funny talk, uh, talking to, to Marty and having him say, uh, you know, about taking his character away from the the comedy element of stuff and kind of turning it on its head and going darker because i feel out there like i feel like vinnie massaro is out there right now like cutting himself or something and trying to be more serious <laughs> like i don't know if it works for everyone the way it worked for him well i mean the thing is with marty he at least had you know since season one to gradually build that character not everyone has the chance that he did he got a lot of tv time over the past few seasons with the exception of this one. And I think that's why it all just worked out. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was well played. Um, and again, you never know how intentional this stuff is, or if it's just kind of the universe converging and, you know, some of it's uh, DJ being a madman too, but I don't think, uh, you know, a lot of stuff from the season and you've heard me say it on this show, a lot of stuff from the season, I don't think was really, planned and i can't wait for this season to be over and and hopefully get a chance to talk to dj about it and maybe even on the show because i think that there was just a lot of curveballs between the visas and whatnot and you know between the visas and then ar fox not being medically cleared um i think that a lot of this season was written on the fly and i think that dj and roach you know had a completely different plan for a lot of this season than what manifested itself so yeah, and I think that's even evident with Reclusa herself. Uh, I it, it was 
I believe it was uh, that weekend or the weekend before, uh, I noticed that an Uber pulling up and there's this blonde with pink highlights. And I'm like, wait, that's Chelsea Green. What's she doing here? And uh, she was actually in a dark match, a yeah, multi-person dark match with Marty. And I think that's where they were testing the waters. And like the very next week, the quote unquote hot mess was gone and reclusa with her now brunette hair appeared and it was just like that yeah i mean and i have to say it really is one of my favorite incarnations of her character because she gets to kind of be she gets to be evil and bad but she still gets to be a little bit of the hot mess character like i in and i think you guys will see that going forward more but she's definitely bringing in a little bit of that hot mess thing that she's been developing over the years, but I like it because it feels more refined and targeted. Whereas a lot of her indie stuff, because it's one day bookings and you know, when you see her, it's just kind of random stuff and it's kind of designed to get the crowd over that day, you know, to get, get the whole thing over just for one day. And this is a more targeted approach that fits into a storyline and uh, she's a good actress. You know, so is, so is Marty. I mean, you saw that promo he cut. They ran a lot of that promo, even though he did have to stop for quite some time in the middle. But, you know, if you think about Lucha Underground historically, who else has gotten that many words in in a promo ever? Maybe Mundo? That's the only person I can think of off the top of my head, considering that most of their top talent usually gets very minimal mic time because let's be honest a lot of times with lucha on the ground it's not even necessary right actions speak for for them so uh you take someone like pentagon he says basically the same thing every week which is enough but you have someone like marty who you know he's stretching his character he's building it up and now you're he's he knows he's going into uh, ultima lucha and he's got a whole month month's worth of shows to build it up, and this is the proper way to do it. And then you throw in someone like Chelsea as reclusive doing it, and it's just icing on the cake. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I think it's a really good fit, surprisingly. And as much as I know everyone wants more luchadors and luchadoras, it just wasn't possible. And uh, if you're not going to have luchadors and luchadoras come in, this was uh, a good way to go. Like, I don't know if this... I feel like this gimmick was always planned and I just don't know if it was for someone else or always for her. Um, it'd be interesting to find out, you know, like um, the, the white rabbit was always a plan, but I, it wasn't always cross. I think that they went through a couple of different ideas for what they could po potentially do with cross. And then, you know, w when it came and I was talking a little bit about this on Reddit, basically the story with cross getting that gimmick, um, and hopefully we'll have him on again soon now that he's actually finally debuted in the fucking ring. Um, but basically from what the way I understand it was, you know, they had this character written um, and at the two weeks before the season started, Cross was at uh, the performance center, you know, just kind of feeling it out. And, and so is um, Chelsea. Right. And so they were just kind of feeling it out. And I don't, people are like, oh, well, I can't believe WWE passed on them. That's not, that's not really the way those either of those went down the way I understand it. It's more like I'm sure WWE would have taken them, but for what, like at what price and what would they have been doing? Would they have just, you know, they would have been basically in developmental where, you know, I think a lot of talent is like, Oh, well, you know, I, I could do that. Or I could also probably make that kind of money and get the same kind of experience, but have more exposure by doing 
impact and lucha underground and all the hot indies you know and these days look at all in it's like the indies ain't such a bad place anymore you know and wwe it's not like the old days where you would go to ohio valley wrestling and that was you know still the hot shit because they were one of the best indies out there like being tucked away at the performance center might not be what talent wants to do for a year before they get a chance to be on wwe tv when they could be i mean look at cross right now probably a good choice not to go to wwe whether it was them passing or whether it was him saying maybe now's at the time or maybe it was like i would love to do it but i'd like more money than whatever you're offering who knows what the the reasons were but you know there were some people on reddit saying that they couldn't believe that wwe passed on cross and again i don't think that that's the way it entirely went down or with chelsea i think it's more like you know, if you're going to come here, it's this and this, and they start a conversation. And I just don't think that those conversations were going, you know, where they were, where they needed to be going at that particular time. And I, th- it's good, good call on their part, wait it out, do this other stuff, see how it goes and then talk to them next year. It's always a chance. I mean, I firm, I don't know what you think, but I firmly believe that Kevin cross will be in WWE at some point, And I think it will be very smart for him to build up his name outside of WWE because his frame and size and build on the indies is amazing. You put him in WWE though. There's a lot of guys that size. Yeah, um, if I could compare him, I would say that just uh, body wise, I'd probably compare him to like Drew McIntyre. And uh, and you, I think a lot of people forget too that when it comes to these, you know, uh, meetings at the Performance Center, they have to be the agreements have to be mutual. Right. But we know. You know, they wanted to see what they were able to do at the performance center. And then they're like, okay, great. I'm going to take some time away and then we'll talk again later. I right. mean, that's happened to a lot of people. I mean, look, look now. Matt Riddle is just now starting to do NXT house shows and WWE's been after him for a while, but he never felt it was the right time. And he was right. And now look at him. He's, he's able to get in when he needed to. The timing was right. And, uh, I'm more than likely we're probably going to see him versus Cash Sono at NXT Takeover War Games. And- yeah, and it was a way way bigger deal when they brought him in. You know, and I like the way they brought him in. I like them sitting him out in the crowd and kind of, you know, hey, look who we got, kind of thing. It was it was worth it. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what they're doing with everyone nowadays, and it's not terrible. But at the same time, I feel like maybe with someone like Cross, you don't do that. You bring him in and you just have him like running rough shot like as the mystery guy or have him come in and just intimidate from the stage without saying a word and yeah. he, can, he can get away with that he can and i and I, but, but i think that what he's doing right now is going to showcase more of like hey this is what you can do with me or this is what i can do on my own even i mean he's he's building a persona around himself that is very easy to even put another gimmick on later but because you know that underneath it, he's got this this core base heel thing that he's doing that is, you know, just old school bruiser. I will fucking murder your face kind of heel, which is awesome. Oh, and so I was saying about the story is so at the beginning of season, um, you know, Cross had just done this WWE Performance Center thing. And I think it was maybe only a week gap before Lucha Underground started. So I don't think that they they planned something major for him right off the bat. It was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm sure Van Wagner was like, yeah, go see what the thing is, because Van Wagner's a great dude, and he's not going to stop somebody from a, a big opportunity. Um, 
So he's probably like, yeah, go feel it out. And if it's not the thing, then come back, talk to me and we'll try to fit you in somewhere. And then poor DJ, who's already rewriting half the show is like, you know, probably like, oh, cross is available. Great. Well, let's see what we can do. You know, because we were even talking about the first couple of weekends. I was like, I know Kevin's sitting at the house. Why isn't he at Lucha Underground? What's going on? Are they not going to use him? Like, I was worried. Um, and then f- the way I understand the story from talking to Paul was, you know, Paul was approached by the, the writing team. And, and it was like, hey, we're going to do that white rabbit thing. Um, you know, Torito's going to be El Bunny. But, you know, here's here's some of the people that were thinking about possibly putting in that white rabbit role. And when they came across Kevin's name, he was just like, yeah, that's probably the guy. Let's talk to him, you know, and, and that Paul got excited about it and rightfully slow because I've seen Kevin and Paul and the way they click and how into it they were getting with coming up with ideas. And DJ let them be very collaborative with this new uh, direction of the rabbit tribe, which is not surprising. I mean, Paul is very collaborative with a lot of people's gimmicks because he's one of the agents at Lucha Underground. Um, so he helps with laying out the matches and, you know, how people's in-ring personas uh, are bringing across the storylines that DJ and Roach write, you know, and, and Chavo does that as well. And Striker and Vampiro kind of help agent matches. Um, but, you know, so so London had a very integral part in it. And of course, when Cross comes in, you know, what are Cross's favorite movies? I mean, American Psycho and Natural Born Killers and, you know, all this, this you know, Casino and Goodfellas. Like, he, he likes that dark weird shit um you know and 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 murderers i mean there's a reason why he's killer cross um so the, and then him bringing that stuff to the character is how you get the white rabbit and then uh god only knows how you went from even that brainstorming and trippiness and weird psychoticness that they're doing to the the white glove mandible claw with the bloody fingers all oh, all oh. Yeah, you know what? I I just love the methodical way he slowly puts it on because that just adds so much more drama to the character. And honestly, looking now, considering what they've done with the vignettes and everything, I can't imagine anyone else in that role but Cross. Yeah, like I can't. I I mean, I could see other people trying to do it, but certainly not with. It would be a totally different thing. You know, and his whole TikTok gimmick, the Toll Man thing, kind of incorporating that and the pocket watch and the suit that he brought the first week, you know, and, and he was very deliberate with having the suit attire and the, the ring attire, which is which is great because it takes us back to where Lucha Underground started when they had all these these design and costume elements that were done before there was even characters in the gimmicks where they deliberately wanted you know, Mil Muertes to have like this, this dressed up suit look and then to have a different look for when he was actually wrestling, you know, and, and they had that with a lot of these characters. And now they're doing that again with, with the, the white rabbit, which I think is awesome. Um, and that suit that cross has is fucking sick, you know, but the TikTok thing plays. And then I honestly don't know how they did the white glove gimmick. I mean, he basically shoved that thing in Joey's mouth left it in there for, and it was a lot longer in person. Like that was edited for the show. And then uh, eventually it comes out of his mouth and it's bloody and it was gross. And it was just like, Whoa, this gimmick took a really, really dark turn. This is not some Mick Foley with a sock gimmick here. This is nasty. This is fucking mean. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was totally unexpected. Like one, the glove was unexpected Two was the blood coming from it. And, you know, 
good for Joey. I don't know if it was like a blood packet or whatever, but it came off seamless and it looked great. <laughs> Rebecca says, I went to the wrong taping day, damn it. Well, maybe. There's no wrong taping days, though. You just missed days like I did. I think there was... There was maybe two mediocre days the whole season, and one of them was the very first taping. Yeah. You know, and then there was one other semi kind of dud one. I mean, um, I can't think of anyone else who's there every single taping except for you. And I feel like you're the only one who could pinpoint anyone who was. Yeah, who I was I was at all of them. And there's a there's a couple people that were close. I think Paul Cross is probably at I don't know if I can remember a taping that Paul Cross wasn't at. So I think he was at all of them too. And um, I think, I think Victor might've been at all of them too. And Johnny Ace, those guys and the Rosas. They, Oh no, I think the Rosas has even missed the Thursday show or whatever that one weekday show was. Yeah. Cause I feel like, for me, I was probably only there like a third of the season. Yeah, you were making well because I think you were making it to most like Sundays or Saturdays or something. Like I, I that's how I was last season. Like I'm, I'm, I was there about fifty-two percent of the time for season three. Yeah, the weekday, the weekday shows were just not possible for me to make unless for I took off of work. Because yeah. a, a lot of those Lucha Underground regulars that you see are actually from San Diego. A lot yeah. of people come up from San Diego and the weekdays were killing them. Those, those, even the Friday tapings were killing them because they were like hauling ass out of work or leaving work early to get there. Um, but um, so the rest of this episode, the opening segment, we got um, and another Aerostar Melissa thing that was uh, very interesting that uh, Aerostar, <laughs> Aerostar is, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling may not be the world's best time traveler. <laughs> with the fact that he he's seen the end of everything and it's not good, but yet he still brought Phoenix back. And, but he's telling Melissa like, no girl, it's hopeless. Like your dude is fucked. Like it's not getting any better. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. I did that. Like, <laughs> I just imagine like Aerostar's mind is like doc Brown's chalkboard when he's trying to explain to Mari, how Marty, how the, uh, the, the timeline went into, different direction because of what they changed but he has so many different branches that he doesn't know where he is and he's like oh i saw this end now because i helped bring back evil phoenix oh oh phoenix isn't gonna make it marty <laughs> whoa I'm, doc this is heavy yeah this, we gotta do that there needs to be some kind of lucha underground back to the future parody and <laughs> i don't know but that, oh, I, zero, I, zero says that he can, it's been con this confirms that this is the second timeline. If you're a fan of community, this could be the darkest timeline. Yeah, I think I think this is definitely the darkest timeline. It is. We've gone we've gone all kind of Doctor Who into an alternate reality now. But and I also feel like I really feel like somewhere it, deep in DJ's soul, he really wants to do a full reset at some point. I think he's going to like do one of those branch into an alternate timeline thing, bring back a bunch of people that he's killed off. You know, I think he's going to do it. I mean, are we talking a Lucha underground multiverse here? I think so. And I think it would be really badass. as, as much as some of it might be a little derivative theoretically at the same point in time. 
isn't everything. True. And like in wrestling, no one's done that. True. And like every sci-fi show, you know, if you watch in any sci-fi show with time travel, um, like, you know, I watch travelers and doctor who and some of those things. And it's just like, As do yeah, I. it doctor always who premiering on Sunday, by the way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a, this is a packed weekend with UFC and then doctor who and be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I hope he does. I hope he does really. I hope he gets a chance to go that far. And like Marty was saying, this isn't your 40 episode season anymore. We're sitting right, you know, what the 20s, you know, which is still a lot. I mean, you know, network TV shows do 22, you know, Lucha Underground's right in there. But hopefully he has enough time to develop some some crazy angles and storylines like that. Um, and I, I love that the Aerostar is really getting a big part um you know he's hopefully uh his parts will stay nice and meaty in lucha underground because uh who knows how meaty his parts in other wrestling promotions are going to be these days who knows at this point i don't even know what's what is going on with him and drago now are they like Uh, you know meef who was here earlier uh but not who didn't actually get on the show because we we took so long um, I believe he said he he thinks it could be done for AAA, but who knows? You know, uh, this is one of those things we can speculate, but no one knows for sure until it's officially <coughs> announced. So, well, everyone's done from AAA, and then they're not, and then they are. Yeah, and then everyone's worried that it's going to affect them in Lucha Underground, and yet that hasn't totally happened. Yeah. So who? who it's almost worse point? for you in Lucha Underground if you stay with AAA because who we didn't see Tejano or Wagner or any of those guys this year. I mean, just those visa issues too. Like it's just there were a lot of things hindering what could have been with this season of Lucha Underground, but at the same time, we still got a lot of good stuff, and there's still more good stuff yet to come. But does that hinder what could be with Lucha Underground all uh, in total? Is it really killing? The, you got these hiatuses, you got these visa issues. Is it killing what was once, you know, the one of the most epic possibilities for wrestling? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I would say, I would say, yeah, it's, it's affecting what could have been and it could have been a lot better, but given the circumstances, you got to do what you got to do with what you have. And unfortunately this is what we have still good though. Yeah. Um, I agree. So the filler match was more of this feud between uh, Killshot and Son of Havoc this week, um, ending with what Killshot losing on a weird uh, submission attempt that went awry. And I don't, I barely even remember. It was like a weird sequence of. One trying to get a submission, getting a pin into the other, and they just rolled around for a bit until Son of Havoc got the pin. Right, which was kind of cool. I mean, and I like that. If you're going to do, you know, it's not a blow off. And and God, it's like, do people remember wrestling in the, the 90s and even 80s? Like, th- th- lots of matches ended this way. And they're, it's great that way. It keeps the feud going, and it's not a bunch of people's finishers. Like, not every move uh, or every episode or match has to end with, you know, the fucking worm and a chop or a fucking people's elbow. Like we can, we can just end with something unusual and and, then somebody getting a roll up a certain way, you know, and, and that the, the the opening minute and a half of this match was actually really, really good. I think um, kill shot and havoc uh, are 
actually a very good fit for each other. And I actually think that uh, I like Matt Cross's work rate with Strickland in there with him. I feel like they kind of bring each other up where at times either one of them, especially in Lucha Underground, I feel like I feel like Shane goes slower in Lucha Underground than he does in other promotions sometimes. And there's reasons for it, too, because a lot of times in Lucha Underground, Shane Strickland is actually more of a base, whereas in other promotions, he is not ever. Yeah. <laughs> but with some of the Lucha Libre stuff, and I think I think he finds it easier and more entertaining for his character as well to work a little bit as a base. But in this match, I felt like both guys were really playing off each other well, and it felt like it felt like they were working out quite a bit together. So I don't know if that's really the case or not. If maybe they, you know, once they realized they were doing this feud, they put some fresh gym time in together to, to work some stuff out so that they could really make this work. Cause they basically been going back and forth in little spots all season, building up to like now having matches and now working up to a blow off match for the masks, um, which we'll see at Ultima Lucha. We'll see if they really put together something that's, that's fire or not. They could steal the show. Yeah, that's definitely one of those matches where you look at the card and you're like, wait, this is this could be the one. And it's definitely happened before. I mean, just well, like it wasn't Matt Cross's match with Pentagon for the Gift of the Gods last that's year. True, it yeah. was, that was not. And, and maybe I, I feel like it's because Penta knew he had to wrestle later that night. But that yeah. was oh, live. It was especially the most dreadful thing ever. It was still to this day, one of my least favorite Lucha Underground matches, and I can't even believe I'm saying that. A ladder match with Son of Havoc and Pentagon was a dud, but it was a dud. I mean, that definitely was because it was leading into, you know, further angles later that night. So, I get right. I feel like in the end, especially knowing what we knew at the time, like, that's I think that gets a pass. Oh, no, it totally does. Like, it makes sense. But at the time, you're not really knowing what's going on. And you're watching it. And you're like, why is this so slow? And they're taking an hour to set up all these spots. And it worked fine for TV. It's like they could set up a spot for 34 minutes. And then on TV, it's like it. everything was strung right together. And there's like ladders popping up in the ring. And you didn't even know where they came from because they cut all that bullshit out. Um, and it played fine on TV. But, man, live, that was just brutal. It was like watching two dudes and doing a slow motion spot for 45 minutes. Um, was there anything else on the show? And then we go into to Marty and Mariposa's match, which was, you know, Marty got a ton of screen time. You know, that was, he was a good half of the show. You yeah. Know, Chelsea, sure. Chelsea hanging herself in the ropes. I'm, I'm a fan of that. The way she's like doing her spider web thing with the ropes and just hanging out there the whole match. I mean, awesome. honestly, that character really is her two other characters combined. And I think it just works seamlessly. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, it totally fits in there. Like, there's no question. And she didn't feel like it almost didn't even feel like she was a new character. It no. was just like, oh, yeah, she's totally supposed to be here. This works. <laughs> and the funny thing is, this is like, this is all taped. Uh, I mean, granted, she was already in. Uh, on impact, but I feel like this was just like the beginning of her, her resurgence into the independent scene. Right. Like she was, she had done maybe a few indie shows, but like since then she's been doing shows all over the place. I mean, obviously all in, but she's been doing like bar wrestling just in LA and other shows. So now like, now you look at her, it's like, it's crazy to think how far she's come. Yeah. She is a full on indie darling. Now she is, she is like the, the, top of the indie game right now 
Um, and you know what? I, I do want to go back to, to the first match too, though, because I don't want to undersell uh, Sunny Kiss and uh, Torito, especially El Bunny, because those two are great. And El Bunny, holy shit, to have a team that is Kevin Cross, Paul London, and Torito, and the mini is the one doing all the work, who's getting the workhorse spot, is hilarious, but he killed it. He did all the fucking wrestling. See, this is the stuff that I wish they let him do in WWE because the only thing we saw of him that he, he was able to really do was in the WLC match against Hornswoggle. Right. I'm like, there was so much missed potential, but I'm glad to see that they're doing something with him in Lucha Underground. And Hornswoggle, by the way, can go. I don't care what anybody says. That motherfucker can wrestle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was really excited to see that. And I thought that, um, you know, I don't know if Sonny's ever worked with a mini before or not, but Sonny fucking killed it. Exolicious, I you know, for people who don't know, um, Exolicious killed it. I mean, they they had full on great spots and and work rate was through the roof. I, I like that whole match. It was fun. Um, we'll see where the feud goes now that uh, Joey's been I don't know mouth bled to death. What the hell even happened there? Is he dead? Is he alive? Is uh, you choke somebody with a glove and they start bleeding on you. It's, it was it was weird, freaky. Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely going to be interesting to see where they with everyone on this episode. There's a lot to a lot to process, and it'll be interesting to see where it uh, the story goes with each and every one of them going into Ultima Lucha Quattro. Yeah. Well, we're not going to go too long tonight. I know I said I would talk about a bunch of other stuff, but I'm not. Uh, I did watch Impact um, again. Uh, Cross is a star on the same caliber with Johnny Mundo and uh, Eddie Edwards and all those guys. Him being in that angle with Moose and and you know the way he was choking Eddie Edwards out on this episode uh, was great. It's so amazing to see that he just fits right in the top. And and I love what all those guys are doing. Um, and I still find Eli Drake to be just thoroughly entertaining it, it, in person, live, on TV. I don't know where Eli Drake is going in life in general these days, but I think that he's a top performer and I don't know anything about him personally. I don't know what his attitude's like. I don't know if people like him backstage or not. I, all I can say is that every time I've watched that guy, I've been entertained. Yeah. I think I've mentioned it. I mean, I definitely have mentioned it on the show before, but I got to talk to him when we were on bourbon street during WrestleMania weekend. And he, he, he was, you know, very knowledgeable and he was very cool. So, and I love his character. Just everyone does like a cocky heel, but he just does it very, very well. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen him walk into a room where nobody knew who he was and he gets all the heel heat. I mean, he does it old school style. It feels like Rick rude or, or one of those guys almost where he can just go in get the mic for 30 seconds and he can turn everyone's stomach. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember or if you saw any of it, but Eli Drake, a.k.a. Sean Ricker, was on The Rock's reality show, and he was basically Eli Drake on that show without even trying. Well, maybe he really is like that. Who knows? I don't know the guy. I just I just know I'm entertained by it. So I hope I hope he gets I mean, I don't see him going to the top of the, the picture at Impact anytime soon. I don't know what I don't know what you do with Eli Drake, but it's got to be something. I mean, yeah, I, it feels like. Since they've, you know, taken the belt off of him, they're kind of like wavering on what to do, but hopefully they give him something good soon. 
Yeah, he's in a little bit of a holding pattern, but that happens in wrestling too. I mean, it's you know, Jinder Mahal can only be champ for so long, and then and then what do you do with him? <laughs> you know, Eli Drake's in a little bit of that same position too. It's like it was an idea that absolutely worked great, absolutely deserved to happen, and then afterwards you got to figure out what you do with the guy because he can't be champ forever. He's just not meant to be the the promotion needs that belt on other people. I don't know how much longer it needs it on Aries though. I speaking of Aries, Mundo might be getting a run. Yeah, speaking of Aries and Mundo, uh, Zero mentioned it in the chat, but for anyone who's gone on Twitter uh, within the past 24 hours, sees them uh, going a lot of back and forth, and it's getting really harsh. Like, even for storyline standards, it's getting pretty bad. Don't know how much of it is real, how much of it is, you know, just promoting Bound for Glory, but you know what? It's grabbing attention. I think there might be some animosity there, and and who knows? Maybe it has something to do with the uh, impending finish, but maybe those guys don't even know what that is yet. We'll see. Um, I am going to do my predictions for tomorrow, Tobias, uh, for the UFC, and that's exactly where we're heading right now on this show Um, because this week has been very, very exciting in MMA. Uh, We've had some weird press conferences. There was a press conference last week that was – straight fire where they really went at it and then this press conference this week where Khabib shows up on time kind of uh says his piece doesn't it says more than normal but you know Khabib is not that uh you know flowery with his verbiage so he said his piece and then was like okay Connor's not here I leave and then Connor shows up uh more on time than normal he was only like 31 minutes late after Dana did some stalling and then um, Connor did a little bit of his Connor thing, but it was a lot more reserved. He came in in like a tank top and didn't have his belts with him, didn't have his proper 12 whiskey with him. Like all that stuff showed up later. Um, but, you know, he kind of did his thing. So that was a little weird. And then they did weigh in at the early weigh ins, uh, you know, because I don't know if you know, but the, the, the weigh ins that you see on the ufc.com or and and fight pass or whatever in fox are ceremonial they're not the actual weigh-ins the actual weigh-ins right now are held in the morning and they're talking about maybe switching it back so there's no one actually weighing in at the weigh-ins anymore but uh they both made weight connor came in 154.5 khabib came in right at 155 um which I think was to Tony Ferguson's dismay because he also weighed in at championship weight. And if either one of them had missed, um, he probably would have gotten the shot and pulled out of his fight with Pettis to go and take the title shot. But if he beats Pettis, he'll still be uh, next in line for whoever the winner is, I think, especially if he beats him in any kind of exciting fashion. Uh, Though they're saying Pettis is is back. Um, If you've heard me on this show before, um, I love Duke Rufus, but I feel like some of his techniques are a bit old school, and I think it's costing his team a little bit. So I don't know how Pettis is going to fare in this match. But anyway, um, so I'm going to start from the top down. Uh, my prediction, I know people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but I am going to take Conor McGregor in the fight. And I'm going to take him for all the reasons that I shouldn't take him because I'm going to take him because I thought Chad Mendez was going to beat him because Chad Mendez was a better wrestler. Chad Mendez didn't beat him. I'm going to take him because I thought Jose Aldo was going to kick the shit out of Conor's legs and that there's no way Conor McGregor could ever knock him out and he knocked him out in no time flat at all. Uh, I'm going to take Conor because 
after Nate Diaz beat him once, I didn't think that Nate, I didn't think he would ever beat Nate Diaz, and yet he still did. I'm going to pick Conor McGregor because I absolutely positively believe that Khabib should win this fight, has all the skills to win this fight, and that there's no earthly way in hell that Conor can beat him. Yet, every time I say that, he does. So this time, I'm just going with it. I'm just going to say Conor's going to win because there's no way, there's no reason and no way with $100 million sitting in the bank and not having fought MMA for two years and always having been susceptible to the ground game, there's just absolutely no way this fucker should win. So he probably is going to win. <laughs> Am I insane, Jim? I mean, I don't think so, but I mean, he has a penchant for proving people wrong regardless of uh, his demeanor. So... Uh, I could totally see that happen, but you know what? I you're it's saying tough. that because yeah, you're saying that because you think Khabib's gonna win, and I think Khabib's gonna win, which means I should probably think maybe I should go for McGregor too. So I don't know. It's like, and and this is why he's a conundrum. This is part of why he's so popular because he his whole career he's just talked this amazing amount of shit that no one ever thought he could back up and every single time it, he wasn't mike tyson nobody thought you know other than a few irish fans no one's ever really thought conor mcgregor was some like indestructible force he's more this anomaly he's this fluke he talks this great game like he's some kind of character that vince mcmahon created and then 83 percent of the time backs it up and everyone's like, this is amazing because anyone else who has ever tried to do this is more like Colby Covington, where, yeah, they talk a big game, but it's mostly because everyone knows they're really susceptible and they're going to get clowned super duper hard eventually. And other other than the, the slip with Nate, I mean, Connors, that's never really happened to him. Yeah, trying to figure out who's going to win this fight is probably just as easy as trying to figure out how to pronounce Khabib's last name. <laughs> you know, and and the other thing I will say is uh, Khabib made the, the weight, but that is a way harder weight cut for him than even for Connor. Like the, the 55 weight cut for Connor, I don't even think is great, but he was, don't forget, he was doing 45 before. Um, and should have probably always been a 55er. That weight cut for Habib is tremendous. Um, and has come close to almost killing the guy. There's a reason why they've tried to make that fight with him and Ferguson five times and it hasn't happened. You know, several of those times are because of, of Khabib and, and how difficult it is for him to make the weight. So we'll see. Um, you know, that really could affect it if it was a bad weight cut for him, if it was hard. And I think Connor's got in his head a little bit. I, I, it's really interesting. I mean, Connor is very much uh, into the games and he's very, very good at it. You know, and if you haven't been watching the coverage, go and watch the press conference from a couple of weeks ago. Go and watch the weigh-in and, and, you know, Ariel Helwani's interviews with both of them from the beginning of the week on uh, on his new ESPN show. Um it's it's compelling stuff and it's gonna be one of the biggest fights ever i don't know if they're really gonna hit this uh this tremendous number that they're talking about i don't know if this it's is gonna pretty be. damn high we'll see i mean those I, I don't know how they base these like are there really people out there that are pre-buying 
I, mean, I think it's all just projection, like probably you through social media or whatever. I can't imagine them because because pay per view numbers aren't the same as they used to, especially now that people just go out to bars to watch these and pay covers. Right. You know, and it's weird. So I don't really know how you you figure out that money. But even those bars, based on capacity uh, and how many screens they're showing on it, it, that counts as a big number. So if a bunch of bars are doing that, that might be part of the pre-sales too, because they ba- they don't necessarily base it on how many people come in. They base it on how many people can come in. Um, and so you have to pay different rates to do to exhibit it in a bar. You're not just paying the $60 that I'm paying you know, at home on pay-per-view. Those bars are paying hundreds and thousands of dollars at times to, to show it. Um, so we'll see, I, I don't know. I would like to see it do a big number. I think it'll be interesting. Um, I think ESPN, um, you know, would certainly like to see it do a big number, even though they're not benefiting from it, just because it will bring the sport to a good level for them as they take over from Fox being the broadcast home of, of MMA and UFC next year. Um, let me see. So the next fight, of course, would be the the Anthony Pettis versus uh, Tony Elkakui Ferguson. Um, I think Ferguson wins that fight pretty handily. Again, Pettis is strong and he's pretty big too. But I think that uh, I think Ferguson has that one sewn up. I think I think Pettis is a little past it right now. Um, then you've got uh, let's see what, is, what else you got. Oh yeah, Ovince Saint Peru versus Dominic Reyes. I think Ovince wins that. I think that's pretty much a fight that's set up for him to showcase his hands. Um, though Dominic Reyes is ranked and he's got a, a undefeated record. I think he's a little too green, and I think Ovince is gonna handle him. Uh, this one I can't call. Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov. I mean. It's the Black Beast versus Drago. <laughs> Stop. Who, who wins that? Who the fuck knows? I mean, those guys are... It's Somebody's getting knocked out. You know, Volkov is vicious and he has a lot of technique. He's got a great jab, but uh, Derek Lewis is very powerful. And when he hits people, they go to sleep. Uh, it's one of the fights I'm actually most interested in. I'm going to take Derek Lewis. I'm going to pick Derek Lewis, but that's, that's, a, that's a 50-50 to me. Um, then a fight that is really, really, really difficult for me to even watch. Two of my favorites of all time, Michelle Waterson and Felice Herrig. Um, met both of them, seen them in their training camps. They're both awesome. I want nothing but the best. I hate the fact that they have to go through each other um, to advance their careers. Um, but I, oh, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I am going to take Felice Herrig. And uh, surprisingly, she was coming in as the favorite, when, and, and, which is surprising to a lot of people because uh, Watterson's coming off a win and Felice is coming off a loss right now. But I think that where Felice is at in her career and her ground skills are superior, I think she's also got a really strong chin. Uh, I don't think she's going to stand and bang with Michelle at all. I think she's going to put her on the ground and use her jujitsu that she's gotten from a big frog. And I think she's going to put it to her on the ground. Um, so I'm taking Herrig, but damn, I, I don't want to see either of them lose. I want them both to win somehow. Um, let's see. We got Little Pettis, uh, Sergio Pettis versus Juicier Formiga. Um, that's a tough one to call as well. Uh, Sergio is ranked number two right now off of three losses, and Juicier's had five losses, I think, or four losses. But um, 
that's just a good fight. I'm gonna take Pettis in this one. You know, I figure one of the Pettis has to win. Um, let's see if there's oh the the Aspen Lad versus Tanya Evinger fight. Aspen Lad is really really good, um, but she's young and Tanya Evinger is so scrappy and she will go out on her shield no matter what. Um, if you haven't seen some of her Invicta fights, they're thoroughly entertaining. She's just scrappy. Um, she reminds me of Charlize Theron and Monster. She's just <laughs> creepy and vicious and mean. Um, so she's always got a chance. I'm going to take Aspen Ladd in that fight just because she's really been on a roll and she's technically very skilled. But Tanya Evinger is a scrappy, scrappy veteran that was not going to go away easily or politely um that's pretty much all the fights i care about tomorrow there's a few other ones on there but those are the big ones uh, those are my predictions and it's gonna be exciting to watch it's a big fight night yeah it's pretty much the big money makers this weekend are gonna be ufc venom and a stars born so there's that yeah i i don't do you, does venom beat a stars born this weekend do you think? I think it's a tough call. Uh, I honestly don't know. It's it's really it's going to come down to the wire. I think. I mean, I'm hearing that Venom is is really fun, solid movie that has the exact right tone that it's supposed to, and that A Star Is Born is like all the best performances of the year. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm also hearing the opposite about Venom. So what that some people aren't liking, like the few people I know that have seen it really liked it. Yeah. The Many people I know who I've seen it thus far are not happy with it, but it is what it is. I mean, Tom Hardy's always been weird, though, hasn't he? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even. I'm not even blaming Tom Hardy on it. I blame them going in the deciding to go in the PG-13 direction instead of R, which would have been more in tune with the character. But you know, well, yeah, and those first couple trailers were really dark. Like, really, hey, this is not your kid's comic book Spider-Man spinoff thing here. This is something much darker. Yeah, but apparently it isn't all that dark, supposedly. Interesting. I have no intention of seeing it anytime soon. I'm going to wait. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know that I have the time to. I'm very curious to see it, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, anyway... It was awesome. We had the champ on the show, man. Did you ever think that on this little silly podcast that we do that we would actually have a champ of anything <laughs> stopping by? Um, yet we have. We had the Lucha Underground champ on the show. Hey, I mean, we we may not come out with all of the exclusives, but we get some of them. We do. Every now and then we it's very surprising. But yes, every now and then we we do actually get one or two. Um and it's amazing, too, because one of the reasons why we don't a lot of times is because we're doing Friday nights now. Most of them are are out actually working, but we just happened to catch the champ on an evening when he was um, a little more relaxed and not uh, working somewhere. So um, it was nice of him to stop by. Yeah. Uh, excited about the, the last four weeks of Lucha Underground. Everybody tune in. And uh, was it November 7th, I think, is the finale. So keep as, watching. Yeah, as Marty said, November 7th. Uh, so... November, uh, the week before, I guess the week of uh, the week of Halloween or Halloween night is on a Wednesday, I believe. So Halloween will be the first night of Ultima Lucha. Well, and it's funny, too, because um, when they did the that that House of Horrors match or whatever it was with uh, Mill and Willie Mac, um, 
we thought for sure because uh, Halloween fell on a Wednesday that that match somehow was going to actually be on Halloween. And I thought that, you know, I was trying to figure out when the season was going to start airing and back timing it from that because I, I mean, really that would have made sense, but yeah, yeah. is what it is. Trick or but hey, who knows with El Rey? I mean, they could have planned it that way. And then three days before Halloween, like put the show on a hiatus and not showing it at the right time at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of Lucha Underground, uh, they are also featured in a comic book. I don't know if you can see that right there. Uh, they're featured in a comic book called The True Story of Professional Wrestling, uh, put out joke. by uh, Aubrey Sitterson, former Marvel writer. Uh, I can't recommend this book enough, whether you're a fan of comics or not. I'm assuming by the fact that you're watching the show, you're a fan of wrestling. So you will love this book. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime. And if you're in the LA area, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, October 6th, uh, Aubrey and the illustrator, uh, Chris Marino, along with SCU's own Christopher Daniels, will be at uh, Collector's Paradise in Winnetka uh, signing the book, talking, and uh, apparently Aubrey has put together a great playlist of entrance themes to play throughout the entire party. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the LA area, stop by, pick up the book if you can't, either on Amazon or at comic book stores. Yeah, I'm definitely ordering mine now that I'm home and I can actually figure out my life. Man, I have been living out of hotels and on the road for the last three weeks. Oh, and I got another three weeks coming up starting next week. So hopefully I can get to a wrestling show this week. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. I mean, we'll see if. I guess if you're also in the LA area and going to the wild tapings, you'll definitely see me and maybe you'll see Justin. Yeah. Hopefully I can get out there. I think Thunder Rosa will kill me if I don't uh, make an appearance and stop by and say hi to some friends. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get there Wednesday, but then I fly out Thursday. So I'm definitely not going to the Thursday night taping. Um, we'll see though, but I've been waiting for that for a long time to see what McLean's got cooking with. Wow. Uh, they're going to access TV. Now, if you haven't heard, this is one of their, t is, is this the very first taping? Cause I've heard they're doing tapings at different places around the country. They're not going to do what Lucha Underground doesn't tape everything out here. I think they're going to actually travel and tape. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is the first taping or not. I mean, it might be the first taping for the season, but right. I'm not entirely sure. So we'll see. I mean, McLean's got some different ideas on doing on, on how to do stuff. Like he, the last couple seasons of Wow were like these internet seasons, which you can still see on their website, by the way, and and kind of catch up on their characters and what they're doing. Um, and some of their presentation, I really like. Some of it, I think, could use some work. And we'll see. A lot of the a lot of the talent they have there is pretty good, though, and they might become a new force to be reckoned with in women's wrestling. So. Yeah, especially with glow doing so well on netflix so yeah and i mean if you guys don't know mclean is one of the people that uh started the original glow so and this is kind of of where it's led to now um and we'll see because he still has some of those old 80s ideas about wrestling that i kind of like and they're fun and kitschy but at the same time they don't necessarily translate to to millennials and some of the younger wrestling fans so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if wow can bridge that gap because the real money right now in wrestling is millennials. Um, they'll buy merch, they'll support you, but they want a certain uh, indie DIY kind of attitude to their wrestling. Um, and if wow can find a way to bridge the gap into a little bit of nostalgia and some of what makes current indie wrestling so popular, uh, they really could be onto something, but I don't know. We'll have to see. 
I'm the, I, I will reserve judgment until after this taping, and then we'll see what we got. <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> All right, well, sadly, Meatloaf was trying to be here, but he had to work. Byron is walking the streets of New York, but promises to be here next week. Casey is definitely inside out and probably listening to the show, but not able to make it to his computer to hit uh, go. So for all those guys and for me, the outlaw Ellie red and my man, Jimmy V until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. Stay in the mix.